Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Again, a thrill to be with you today. We are uh, kind of a special day around here at Faith Christian today. We call this our fall kickoff Sunday. We are beginning a new sermon series. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, downstairs and actually outside right now, our faith kids are doing some wonderful fun things as they kick off their fall together. And tonight at 6.30, if you've got a middle school or high school student, you want to be sure they are here for our faith student ministry time. That happens Sunday nights at 6.30. So middle school and high school, uh, 6th grade uh, through 12th grade. Uh, if you've got a kid in your life that age, be sure they're here tonight. Uh, for that wonderful, uh, wonderful time as it uh, kicks back up into their fall season tonight in our faith student time. Also want to mention to you, um, ladies, uh, our Tuesday morning ladies Bible study kicks off this Tuesday as well, 9.30, and I hope that many of you ladies will be here in the building uh, for that wonderful time as well. Let me get started today with two stories. Uh, the first story happened way, way back in the 1900s. It's a true story. It's about me. Um, way back in the 1900s, um, I was in the fourth grade, I was adorable. Yeah, big mop of blonde hair. Go figure, blonde hair, big mop of blonde hair. Just adorable little kid, but kind of shy. And in the fourth grade was the first time that I recall getting the courage to write a note to a girl. And I wrote that note. Her name was... This is a core memory. I'm telling you, I, don't, I will not ever forget this. Her name was Christy Tucker. That's Christy with a K. Christy Tucker... They're in Johnson City, Tennessee. A friend of mine, she sat on the other side of the room. I wrote her a note. The note was simple, just a few words. Will you go with me? I don't know where I was going, but I was going to ask her to go. Will you go with me? And then, of course, there were two boxes. Yes, no. I folded that note up as tight as I could get it and began the process, wrote her name on the top of it, and then began the process of getting that note passed clear across Mrs. Christian's fourth grade classroom to Christy Tucker, who sat on the other side of the room by the lockers. And I watched that note as it went from row to row, slyly, slowly. We had a system. You remember fourth grade. You had a system how not to get caught passing notes in class. And as that made its way down the Underground Railroad of fourth grade to the locker, to the locker side of the room to Christy Tucker's desk the whole time, what am I thinking? Say yes, please say yes, please say yes, please say yes, say yes, please say yes, please say yes, please say yes, please, 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 please say yes. She opens the note. You know, you're subtle, fourth grade. Get your pencil. She checks one of the boxes. I don't know which one she checks. She's on the other side of the room. Begins, folds it back up. It begins this process. Please say yes. 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 And it gets to me. I open up the note and it says, the box that's checked is, yes. Yes. It said yes. Let me fast forward a few years. Right about the turn of the century, just before the turn of the century, 1998 to be precise, Christmas time. In St. Augustine, Florida, in the Christmas time, the white lights all over all the old buildings in St. Augustine, the bridges, the water, the boats, beautiful little setting. I'm on a little stroll. I've had a lovely dinner with this young lady by the name of Megan Scharf. We're walking along. We stop under a gazebo all lit up with white lights. And I say to her, and I quote, as I pull a ring out of my pocket, so, uh, you want to get married? That's literally, that's what I said. So, uh, you want to get married? 
The whole time I'm thinking, please say yes, please say yes, please say yes. Oh, I hope she says yes. Please say yes, please say yes. You want to get married? One of those relationships worked out. I'll let you figure out which one it was. (laughs) You know, you already know this. The simple act of saying yes can change your life. And that is why we are launching a brand new series today that we're going to be in for quite a while this fall that we're simply calling Say Yes. You probably saw it when you came in the room, right? Everybody say it with me. Say, yeah, one more time now that you're awake. Say yes. My goal over the next several weeks is simple. I'm going to put my cards on the table before we even get into it. My goal is pretty simple. My challenge to each one of us who is a part of Faith Christian Church, who even just walks in the door sometimes of Faith Christian Church, my challenge for each one of us is to say yes. To say yes specifically, my ask for you over the next several weeks is that you would say yes to participating in the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about how that looks a lot. It looks like a lot of different things. It can be a lot of different things for a lot of different people. We're going to talk about that over the next several weeks. If you were here last week, we wrapped up our um, vintage series. We talked about a guy named Samuel, and we talked in that process in great detail about how our God is the only worthy king. Well, this king, this God who is the only worthy king, this amazing, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving king has invited you to participate in his kingdom. He's invited me, he's invited us together to be a part of his kingdom. So I got to wondering, what would that look like? I mean, mean, what would it really look like if we weren't just people who went to church, but if the people who went to church actually said yes to participating, to being a part of this kingdom, what would that look like to Tuscarawas County? Well, I can't wait to see what it's going to look like. You know, when we think of kingdom, we typically think of a, of a throne, a guy on a throne, a, a lot of warriors around them. And that is exactly what the people who lived in the time of Jesus would have been thinking about when they heard Jesus talk about kingdom. That's their, the, the image they would have had too. But Jesus came to set up a different kind of kingdom. A kingdom that you get to say yes to. A kingdom that you get to participate in. So let me just kind of set this up for you today. My, my goal today is just to set this up for what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks together. I want, to, I want you to know why this, why I think this series is so, so important for us as a congregation, for us as a family, and for you as an individual, whether you've been going to church longer than I have, as long as you've been alive, or this is your first time walking in the doors because somebody drug you in here today. This series is important to each one of us. Here's why. Some of us, some of us have stayed away from church for a while. Maybe we used to go, but we, we remember you never went. But we stayed away from church for a while, and you kind of feel like you, you, you've just missed out on some stuff. In other words, you feel like you're, you're kind of behind the curve. You're late to the game, so to speak. So why would you jump in now is the mentality we have. You're at a stage in your life where you think, I don't know that I can understand it. I don't know that I could get my head wrapped around it. Maybe you feel kind of like the kid that decides to try out for the football team his senior year. And he's never played football before. He's never done the conditioning before. Everybody else has been playing for 15, 14 years. He's never been on the football field before. And at 17 years old, he decides, hey, I'm going to go out for the football team this year. Not going to be a great time for him. It started too late, right? A lot of us think that when it comes to church and when it comes to, to, to matters of faith and to matters of God and Scripture. 
I wasn't raised in the church. I don't really know what any of this stuff means. I'm not sure about it. It seems kind of weird sometimes. I don't know. So you just decide, all right, that church stuff, that's for you. It's not for me. If that's you, this series is so important for you. For some of us, we, we kind of feel this level of disappointment when it comes to faith and church and even following Jesus. Here's what I mean by that. You unwillingly, we, we all do this, we don't do it on purpose, but you unwillingly have combined following Jesus, being a part of the kingdom of God, you've unwillingly combined that idea, following Jesus, being a part of the kingdom of God, with being a part of the American dream. And when we leverage God to get the American dream, the house, the wife, the kids, the dogs, the cars, the jobs, whatever, when we leverage God or we think God's our genie in the bottle to help us get the things we want and God says no to one of those things or it doesn't work out the way we think it ought to work out, we're very confused to how the whole God thing works. And it's very disappointing to us. And it gets very frustrating to us. We're not sure we can believe in a God who doesn't give us the things we think we want. If that's you, this series can be, will be very, very, very important to you. Some of us, we've been doing this church thing a long time. We've been around for, for years. We show up. Well, maybe we show up once or twice a month, but we show up. We, we take our kids to the youth group. That's a good thing for them to be in. Maybe, hope maybe something's going to rub off on our kids and they won't get too screwed up. Maybe that's what we're hoping. Um, but we walk out the doors and nothing's different in us. There's no impact of what happens in here on what we do out there. There's no difference in me because I was in the presence of God worshiping when I go to work on Monday morning. We just come to church. We don't participate in a kingdom, but we just come and watch the show. Hopefully we fulfilled some religious duty this week, got some box checked off so that God maybe won't be mad at us this week and we watch the show and maybe someone will see us at church and maybe they'll think we're a good person because we went to church. And if that's you, this series is going to be so important for you. For some of you, you're just, you're just confused about what it means to be a Christian. In other words, you know what an American is. You, you know what a Canadian is. But what is a Christian? What does that even mean? If I were to say to you, are, are you a Christian? You'd say, well, I, I, I think we prayed it before Thanksgiving dinner at my house. Does that count? Or you might say, well, I'm not really a Christian, but... But, but I am re really religious. I'm spiritual. I'm spiritual. Or maybe you get confused with this whole thing of, I'm not sure if I've done enough to be a Christian, if I've prayed enough prayers, or if I've gone to enough church services, or if I've read enough of the Bible, or if I've been baptized enough, or if I've taken enough communion elements. I don't know if I'm in or if I'm out, so I don't really know. Or maybe some of you are like, I'm not sure what kind of Christian I am, because it seems to be one of these terms that we have. We have all these different flavors of Christians. There's Baptist and Methodist and Charismatic and Catholic and Fundamentalist and Legalistic and all these different terms. I just don't know if I'm any of those or if I fit in, or I don't know what those are. And some of you would say, oh, absolutely not. I'm not a Christian. I don't want anything to do with that because you would define Christianity as just a bunch of people that, are, that you would define with terms like these, judgmental, homophobic, moralist, people who think they're the only ones going to heaven and secretly relish the fact that everyone else is going to hell. And you think if that's what a Christian is, I don't want any part of that. And if any of these things apply to you, 
This series is so important for you. And here's why. Jesus never invited us to be Christians. Let that sink in for a minute. You know, you get your, get your, find your Bible when you get home. Dust it off, read the words of Jesus. Jesus never invites us to be Christians. In fact, the term Christians was, was a, a phrase that Jesus never even used. Actually, the term, maybe you know this from, from, from church history, the term Christian was actually a religious slur that people who were not Christ followers gave to the people who were Christ followers. Basically, they were using this in a very derogatory sense as if to say, oh, look, there go all those little Christ just running around doing their thing. Those little Christ. It was a derogatory term. It was a slur. And over time, it just stuck, this phrase Christians. But Jesus never calls us. Jesus never invites us to be a Christian. Instead, Jesus has invited us into his kingdom. Jesus has invited us into his kingdom to participate in his kingdom. And the idea that the kingdom, that idea of the kingdom was not an idea of top-down royalty and peasants and fight for my honor and battle to make your life better, to make my life better. Jesus invites us into this very, well, when we think of kingdom, it's a very backwards version of what we think of. It's kind of the opposite of what we think of. And that's the kind of kingdom that Jesus invites us to be a part of, to participate in, to say yes to. For some of you, this is going to be mind-blowing because you've never thought about it that way before. I think for a lot of you, this is going to be very freeing for you. Because some of the things that you were taught that you were supposed to be doing or you thought you were supposed to believe or you thought you were supposed to uphold aren't really what we're supposed to be doing. And for some of you, you're going to find such peace because you've been living your life for so many years building your own kingdom only to discover it doesn't satisfy you. It doesn't bring the contentment and the fullness of life that you thought it would. And Jesus says, I got a kingdom that can do that. And I'd love for you to participate in it. I'd love for you to say yes to it. Being a part of the kingdom of Jesus not only makes life better, it makes you better at life. And it is why you were created. And it is the kingdom that Jesus invites you to be a part of. Many of you grew up praying or you learned to pray at some point in your life what we know as the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus taught us how to pray. And the prayer begins, you know that you're familiar with these words. The prayer begins, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And if you know the prayer, you know the next line is simply, Thy kingdom come thy will be done. There's that word kingdom right there in that prayer. When we pray that word, when we pray your kingdom come, what we're simply saying, if I can translate that into to Larry language, what we're simply saying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, what we're simply saying is, oh God, may up there come down here. May up there come down here. We pray, God, for your kingdom to be expanded from heaven, from perfection, 
down here to earth, down here to, the, to us imperfects, that your will will be done here just as it is there. And can I just admit to you, this is one of the truths about God. This is one of the things about following Jesus that I missed for a really, really, really long time. And when I would read scripture and I would study the words of Jesus, and I've done this for decades, and I would hear Jesus talking about the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is like, and this is a part of inviting us to be the kingdom. I always thought he was only talking about the heaven part of that. I always thought that. You're smarter than me. Maybe you didn't think that. But when I read Jesus talking about the, about the kingdom, your kingdom come. Yeah, we're going to be in heaven someday. Yeah, kingdom come. Can't wait. We're going to be in heaven. The kingdom of heaven's like a big banquet. Yeah, heaven's going to be great. The kingdom of heaven's like this. Yeah, it'll all be in heaven. It dawned on me. This is seriously only like four, five, six years ago. It finally clicked in my brain. Jesus isn't just talking about heaven. He's talking about Tuscarawas County in 2023. May your kingdom come here now. So what if we look at all the kingdom talk, all the invitation that Jesus gives us to talk about, to, to be a part of his kingdom, what if we think about that in your neighborhood, at New Philadelphia High School? What if that's the kingdom? What if the kingdom of God could be present here? I think Jesus knew what he was talking about. Somewhere along the, on the long, along the line, I'm embarrassed to admit it, it took me a while to get this, but the kingdom is now. Yeah, it's also heaven, but it's now. It's here where I live, where I get to participate in it, where I get to say yes to being a part of the kingdom today, not just when I die, now today. May the will, may the way of the king be evident where I live now because I get to participate. I get to say yes to the kingdom. So what? Again, back to the question that's haunted me for a few months now. What would it look like if all of us, just us, there's about 120 of us in the room right now. What if all of us said yes? And we participated in the kingdom right here, where we live. What would that look like? The kingdom of God was central to the teaching and the mission of Jesus. So Jesus tells all kinds of stories. You read the words of Jesus. Pick up your Bible, all the red letters. Jesus tells all these stories about these parables, and he uses this, this, these metaphors, these examples, and says the kingdom of heaven is like all these metaphors and parables to help us understand what the kingdom of God is like. For instance, Jesus described the kingdom of heaven like a banquet, or a wedding reception, a great big blowout party, a place of laughter and fun and love and joy and singing and dancing. Sounds just like the church you grew up in, right? <laughs> That's how Jesus describes the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is a blowout party. He taught that everyone's invited to that party. Everyone is invited to that party. And the host wants everyone to come. But not everybody RSVPs. That's part of the story. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a buried treasure hidden in a field. We're going to talk in depth about this one next week. 
And he tells this really cool story about this guy who finds a treasure buried in a field, but one problem, he doesn't own the field. But the treasure's in the field. So he enters into negotiations to buy the field, and he gets a price for it, but the price is pretty steep. But he knows what he's, what's buried there is worth more than what he has. So he goes home, and he has a garage sale. And he sells all his stuff. He finds the old Bowflex and the Thighmaster, and he sells those. And there's some old skis and that old PlayStation and kids never will use anymore. He even sells his boat. Sells all the stuff, gets up enough money together so he can go and buy that field so he can have that buried treasure. And in the parable, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like that. That once you find it, once you say yes to participating in it, you would be crazy not to give up everything you own so that you can be a part of this priceless treasure so that it can be yours. You get to participate in. Jesus talked about how the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that causes bread to rise. The kingdom of heaven causes hope and joy and peace to rise everywhere it goes, everywhere it permeates. Wherever that kingdom goes, it's not just in heaven, it's here too. Wherever that kingdom goes, hope and joy and love and mercy and peace show up because it's a part of the kingdom. Jesus talked about the kingdom all of the time. One time he picked up a little kid, put a little kid on his lap and said to all the church people in the crowd, unless you humble yourself like a little child, you won't get into the kingdom because in this kingdom, you're not the king. One day, directing his words to the religious hypocrites, Jesus said, told them that not everyone who pretends to know God will actually be a part of the kingdom. Jesus told us that if we would seek first his kingdom, all the other things would be added to us. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven was just this central part of Jesus' teaching. So let me just ask this question then. What is a kingdom? We talked a bit about king last week, but what is a kingdom? I heard someone say this. I love this definition of kingdom. A kingdom is a sphere of control. It's it's an area. It's a a part of whatever, whoever's in charge, they're in control of that sphere. It's where you rule. It's this empire that you control with your taste and your likes and your purposes and your values and your character. It's an environment arranged just how you like it, that sphere of control. That's what a kingdom is. So with that definition in mind, you've got some kingdoms around your place, don't you? For some of you, your kitchen is your kingdom. It's your main. Everything's exactly where you want it to be. You you can make your magic in the kitchen. It's all where you want it to be. Some of you, it's your garage. You know where all the tools are. Everything's lined up. It's just exactly to your taste, to your preferences. For some of you, it's your man cave or your den or your deck. Everything's just where I want it. The beer fridge is over there. The fire pit's over there. Exactly where I want it. It's my kingdom. It's where I control. For some of us, it's the office. It's our workplace. It's, you got any little kingdoms that you're working on? You got anything? You've got that sphere of control over it. It's your domain. It reflects your style, your likes, your character your preferences. It's what you like, and it's how you like it. That's your kingdom. Well, that definition definition in mind, God's kingdom is a place that perfectly reflects his character, his values, his personality, his preferences, 
It's his domain where things operate the way he likes them. And remember, it's not just heaven. It's supposed to be happening here too. So God's kingdom then, well, it's a place of joy. God's kingdom is a place of truth and grace and healing and tenderness and life and compassion and justice and forgiveness and peace. God's kingdom is a wonderful place because God is wonderful. God's kingdom is a place of love because God is love. God's kingdom is a good place because God is good. God's kingdom is a place of kindness because God is kind. God's kingdom is a strong place because God is strong. God's kingdom perfectly reflects who he is. So we pray, oh God, may up there come down here. The people of Jesus' day, they were they were looking for the kingdom of God to come. And they were looking expectantly, looking for, waiting for a powerful king to show up. A military king. They were looking for a political king, a political messiah. They were looking for a ruler who would be their economic savior. A strong military conqueror who would come and obliterate Rome. But instead in this kingdom... Our King Jesus comes and goes on a cross. You see, in this kingdom, we find our King on a cross. Told you it's a little upside down. It's a little backwards in how we think. To the people in the first century who were hoping that he would set up this massive, powerful, political, earthly, military kingdom, John says in, Jesus says in John 12, when I am lifted up from the earth... I will draw everyone to myself. Everybody's like, yeah, lift up Jesus, yeah. And here's, John adds this. Notice he said this to indicate how he was going to die. We weren't putting him on our shoulders to rah-rah him through the streets because he was the king. We're putting him on a cross. He's lifted up from the earth on a cross to die. Kings don't die. He was talking about the cross being lifted up, taking up his own life and taking our sin with him taking the punishment for our sins of the world, laying down his life for them. What kind of king does that? King Jesus. Paul writes later in Colossians chapter 2, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Our king is a king on a cross, and he laid down his life. No one took it from him. He laid down his life and secured the victory over sin and death and he rose from the dead so that we can follow him into eternity when we die and so that we could live in and participate in and say yes to his kingdom today. I want to be a part of a kingdom like that. 
I want you to be a part of a kingdom like that. I want us, church, to be a part of a kingdom like that. A kingdom that lasts forever. A kingdom that is making a difference in the world and in the town that I live in today. I want to follow a king like that. And I want to pray every day. Oh, Father, may your kingdom up there come down here and use me and use us as it happens. I invite you to bow your heads. If our community team will go ahead and take their places. As you bow your heads and pray with me, let me give you a challenge just in the stillness of this moment. When we pray these words, may up there come down here in me. May your kingdom come in me as it is in heaven. When we pray these words, what we're really praying is, God, we want your kingdom to be evident here. We want to be participating in your kingdom today. So what I want to ask in the quiet of this moment, as you sit there with your eyes closed, your head bowed, I want to ask, would you have the courage to pray that today? The courage to pray, God, would your kingdom come in me as it is in heaven? And would you pray that every day this week? God, would your kingdom come in me as it is in heaven? May up there come down here. Oh, Jesus, there is no king like you. What other king would lay down his life for ungrateful people? But you did. And that is why we worship you. And that is what makes us want to participate in your kingdom. It's what gives us the courage and the knowledge and the desire to follow you with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our strength. So God, may your kingdom come in me. May your kingdom come in each one of us as it is in heaven. And we lift up our prayers in the name of King Jesus. Amen.